it's quite a charming story, really. My young companion Anthony and I had been traveling through the video store section looking for our next movie to review on the newly named Double A Cinemacast. We had decided to go for a more artistic graph this week, and had chosen Wes Anderson's 2014 classic, The Grand Budapest Hotel. You see, that's where this review starts, with that film and this part. Enjoy. Welcome to Double A Cinemacast, your daily film fix. This is so new. Adam, why is our name now Double A Cinemacast? Well, we were having some discussion uh, last week after we had recorded our cult uh, films episode, Mm -hmm. and we basically came to the conclusion that we both just really want to talk about movies. Mm -hmm. And having Double A Popcast was nice, kind of left it open. Well, we almost kind of felt like we were overwhelmed by the amount of possibilities there were. And by focusing strictly on movies and cinema, we can kind of hone in the podcast. And we can also kind of change the format to make make it a daily podcast as opposed to a once a week kind of film review podcast. Yeah, so we're really changing up the game here. Yeah, new name, new logo. And a new format. So before we would release only one episode each week, mm-hmm. either Sunday night or Monday morning. And now we're switching it to, depending on the week, um, this week it'll be four days. It'll be today, Tuesday, and then tomorrow, Wednesday, and then Thursday and Friday, um, where we will be releasing shorter episodes. But we'll, we'll still be reviewing movies, mm-hmm. but we're going to be doing kind of half-hour, 45-minute deep dives into chunks of the film. Yeah. So this week, we're watching The Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson, Mm -hmm. and we have broken this film up into four chunks, kind of four parts um, for this week, because we're recording this on Monday. Um, And then today, on Tuesday, which day this podcast is being released, this episode is being released. Um, you'll hear our first, our part one discussion of the movie, and we basically it was by minutes, so yeah. we chunked it off into kind of four segments. So you'll get the full review of the movie come the end of the week, but just for today on Tuesday, um, you'll be in the first part, and we'll be doing this for all the movies going forward. So instead of just one podcast a week, you'll be getting either four or five, depending on the week. Um, uh, podcast episodes. So more content. So yeah, hopefully Very... and bite sized Bite size, easy. So before we used to be giving you like a full three course meal, <laughs> and now we're giving you you know like tapas. Yeah, you know? a little snack, little little bite size appetizers. Hopefully these keep wetting your appetite and you appetite and you keep coming back for more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So without further ado, let's move into. Part one of our yes. discussion of the Grand Budapest Hotel. So we broke this up. We watched the first 24-ish minutes of the movie yeah. so far. So, Anthony, could you give us a brief overview of what has happened so far in the film? Sure. So we're introduced to the author of a novel called The Grand Budapest Hotel. So this hotel is located... Where exactly would you say? It's, it's all like this kind of made-up Eastern European country. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm getting like a heavy like Germany kind of vibe from it. So I'm gonna say we'll say if it were real, it's like Eastern Europe, Germany kind of. Yeah. I'll take yeah. your word for it. You're yeah. more of the history person. <laughs> so this is in the 80s when we meet the author, and then mm. travel back. 20 years until the 60s mm-hmm. when he interviews when he meets and then interviews the owner at that, at that time mm-hmm. of the Grand Budapest Hotel and then the two of them go out to, go to dinner mm-hmm. and we hear the story of the owner when he was a lobby boy yeah and uh, the actors we, there are a lot of A-list actors in this film um, we start yeah. off with the 1960s version of the author is played by Jude Law, who then the owner of the hotel is played by F. Murray Abram. Abrams? Yeah, F. Murray Abraham, um, who has been in movies such as Amadeus, a few others there. Um, but he plays the older version of Tony Revolori's character, who is Zero, who's the lobby boy in the 30s. It's a little confusing. That it'll make sense as we go along, I promise. <laughs> um, but so far, basically all that's happened is we're hearing the story of the lobby boy in the 30s. And he's kind of been under the mentorship of this concierge named Monsieur Gustave, um, played by Ray Fiennes, who, for those of you, probably most of you know him as Voldemort from the Harry Potter series. <laughs> um and so he is this concierge at the Grand Budapest Hotel who is just very, he's like the master of the hotel pretty much. Like everyone respects him. He's kind of like the leader of the staff. Um, he doesn't own the hotel, but he's very much like the, sim, the symbolic lead in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, would, that, would you say that? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, like he leads dinners with like sermons he everyone goes to him for questions and he has very high expectations too mm-hmm. he he interviews zero and <laughs> zero pretty much everything zero says like he ex, zero explains about his history working for hotels and he go and then ray fine goes oh so you have no experience yeah even though he lists off all this experience he he's had. like it's like i was a i was a a disc scrubber i was a skillet cleaner i did this he's like nope no experience <laughs> Education, he's like, well, I did reading and, and writing. and Yeah, okay, no education. Like, <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, but there's a different, there's kind of like another side to this Mr. Gustav character in that not only is he, like, one of the best concierges apparently ever, mm-hmm. he's also very friendly with a lot of the guests. He's like an elderly woman womanizer. <laughs> yeah. Um, F. Murray Abraham is the older version of Zero, during his narration of the story, mentions how a lot of the guests at the Grand Budapest go to the hotel, like, expressly because of him. Mm -hmm. And the qualification... He had qualifications for the women that Mr. Gustav interacted with. Mm -hmm. It was... They were rich. Mm -hmm. Superficial. Yeah. Needy. Yes. um, Blonde. Blonde. And there was one other. Was it low self esteem, or and, was that the needy thing? No, there was. I think a low self esteem was one of them. It yeah. was. Um, and then, you know, Jude Law kind of stops him. He's like, "Wait, why blonde?" And he's like, "Well, they just were. They just <laughs> like, I'll worry, you know, whatever." 
And so, you know, this is kind of a, an interesting... I can't tell... And I've seen this movie more times than you have. Yeah. I've seen this movie about maybe like 20-some times. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and I can't tell if that is written as like a joke or if that's just like... This is just his character. Like, we're just supposed to accept it and be like, cool, got it. Because like... I don't know. It, it comes up a few times later... There oh, yeah. is payoff to all of those like um, superlatives. We'll get to at the oh there are oh, come the end cool. of the week. There'll be a big payoff to the superlatives that are listed. Um, but but yeah. So basically, what happens is what's kicking off our plot, our main storyline here, mm-hmm. is that Tilda Swinton, who plays Madame D. Um, who is one of the older women that Mr. Gustav interacts with. Uh, we see her, and the makeup on Tilda Swinton just looks amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, you, if you know it's Tilda Swinton, you, you're like, okay, got it, yeah. But if you don't, you'd be like, I don't know, who is that? Yeah. That just looks like a regular, just old woman. Right. Um, but the she was she left the hotel recently, uh, right before the interview scene that we saw. And she felt that she was she was scared to go back home, and mm-hmm. she actually told Mr. Gustav to come with her. Like, hey, come with me, you know, I I need you. Mm-hmm. And she, he's like, I'm not gonna leave. I have to work. You know, I have, this is where I, this is my home. And in the newspaper, a few weeks later, presumably, um, she's dead. Yeah, they find out she's dead, and so they race off to her. And they is zero and Mr. Gustav. Mr. Gustav. Yeah, so they run off to um, to go to the funeral, but there's a bit of a bumpy uh, incident, so to speak, on the train. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie, it's very interesting. The movie is very much itself kind of a kind of reference, not reference, kind of like an homage to classic Hollywood. In many ways, the way the filmmaking technique is done, where the aspect ratio of the screen keeps shifting depending on what time period you're in. Yeah, that, and that's um, something you you mentioned to me that I honestly I've not noticed. We have the screen paused right now and I mm-hmm. see that we have the black vertical bars mm-hmm. on the left and right side of the screen. But I, I honestly, mm-hmm. I didn't notice it when it's shifting during watching yeah. the movie. It's, it's very well done. And that's one thing that Wes Anderson does really well is his filmmaking technique is very precise it's very it's almost like everything's clockwork like mm-hmm. everyone moves with purpose no one ever casually does no one nothing's ever casually done in a Wes Anderson movie uh, which actually is going to be the theme of our month um, will be nothing is ever casually done in a Wes Anderson movie ever casually done in a Wes Anderson movie is our theme and we're, we'll be watching Wes Anderson movies for the rest of uh, May um, but you'll know, you'll pick up on this and we'll discuss it in the later films we watch um, but everything's very precise movements, very, you know, yeah, but they're stopped on the train. Um, and it's 1932, I believe. And Wes Anderson has said that he wanted to do a fictional period piece when making this movie. And in the thirties in Europe, this is where we're kind of getting that rise of Nazism leading into world war two fascism in Italy. And they actually mention fascists, by name, mm-hmm. um, where they're stopped at a crossing. Um, at least in the movie, it mentioned the closing of the frontier, 1932 October. 
and uh, Zero is a is stateless. We don't know what his whole you know backstory is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does. He's a migrant. He has a workers' visa. Mr. Gusa, of course, has his papers all in order. But when they see that Zero is a migrant, they ask him to step outside. And there's a bit of an altercation there where Mr. Gustav's like, whoa, whoa, you know, hold on, slow down. Don't, he does, he's done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone chill. And then they get beaten up basically for, you know, not complying. And yeah, it's this really kind of like intense scene where they're shoved up against the walls of the train. And then in comes our hero, Ed Norton, <laughs> as uh, Corporal Heinkels. Henkels? Oh, wait, let's check here. Uh, yeah, Henkels. Corporal Henkels. And he kind of comes in, and you kind of get the sense that Mr. Gustav knows a lot of people as well. Yeah. Um, you want to take it from here? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, because what I gathered from that scene was that, what was it, Commander Henkels? Commander Corporal, some kind of military guy. Yes, yeah. Ed, Ed Norton's character, Henkels. Mm-hmm. He knew... Ray Fine's character mm-hmm. from the past. Yeah. Like his family stayed at the hotel or something. Mm-hmm. And he mentions to Zero that Ray Fine's character of Mr. Gustav. Mr. Gustav has helped helped him out in the past or mm-hmm. mentored him. Yeah. And he basically lets them go because of that relationship. Yeah. And he gives him a little card that's like, you know, on the command of Corporal Hankel's like this guy's cool. Yeah. Let him through. What did it say on it? It was no a, molesting. Or un, unmolested travel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't... Very interesting wording there. Um, right. And it is worth noting that this movie is rated R. <laughs> um, mostly for language, and there is some brief nudity we've seen oh, yeah. um, along the way um, in these first 24-some minutes. Um, it will not be the last... Uh, nude scene we see so <laughs> is that uh, a threat not not a threat just a just a fact <laughs> so uh so, but yeah something i've liked so far is the set design yeah it's all very like almost every single frame you could just take out of the film put on a wall and it'd be art. oh yeah and what's cool, I think, is that you see that these rooms are connected in the sets, so the shots will be continuous, and mm-hmm. it'll just track the characters. Oh, yeah. Or it'll zoom out. Mm-hmm. Like, we, the, I love the scene when we see Mr. Gustav for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and he's just looking out the balcony, and then turns around, and then walks to the right across the screen, and we see him the entire time. Yeah. Like, even though he goes through, like, a doorway into, like, kind of, like, a little, like, kind of foyer area the wall was kind of cut in half but it still looked like it was part of the room mm-hmm. it was still painted and had like the the crowning on the bottom or whatever it's the molding right um and like he goes right across and then goes back and then when they're at the the house of madame d or whatever yeah madame, madame d um tilda swinton's character all these doors open as F. Murray Abraham's character is describing, you know, or Zero, older Zero is describing, went down several corridors and through various <laughs> doors, and we just see like, doom, 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 doom. Yeah. Um, and every shot is framed so well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't even notice when when his character of Mr. or Mr. Uh, Mustaf. Mr. Mustafa. Mr. Mustafa. Thank you. Yeah. When he when he's at dinner with Jude Law's character and he starts to tell a story, there's a close up of him and then the, there's these two lights behind him that turn on. Yeah. Did you notice that? Everything and just like little things where that scene in particular, right before that kind of zoom in shot, almost like story time. Yeah. You know, kind of zoom in there. Um, he mentions like it begins, of course, with our mutual friend's predecessor. When he says mutual friend, Jason Schwartzman, who's the current concierge in the 60s, kind of peeks his head back in the frame and then goes back. So it's kind of like, remember who we're talking about? Okay, cool. You know? <laughs> oh, that is really It's funny. just little things like that that just kind of remind the audience, like, this is who we're talking about. You got it? Okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Um, and But what's interesting is that the set for the 60s Grand Budapest and the 30s Grand Budapest the exact same set. They oh, yeah. filmed all the 30s scenes first and then built over it. And you'll see it because you'll go back to the lobby in the 60s come the end of the movie and you'll notice that it's the exact same set. And actually, a little fun fact here, the set for the Grand Budapest Hotel is not actually in any... Oh, it's an actual structure that already existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they filmed this in Poland. Um, and they were looking around for like abandoned hotels because these kind of grand hotel, grand hotels in general in the thirties kind of dotted the European landscape, but none, either they were still in operation and weren't going to be able to shut down for filming mm-hmm. or they were too far in dis- like disrepair. They just weren't willing to rebuild anything. Yeah. Um, they actually found a Polish shopping mall, oh. um, from the Soviet era that had a kind of lobby area that they're like, okay, we can turn this into a hotel. <laughs> so they purchased the property for the film mm-hmm. and then built the set out of that. So that's actually a shopping mall lobby. Oh. Um, it's kind of like been sectioned off. Yeah. So there's a whole Polish shopping mall <laughs> behind the set. <laughs> Very interesting. So. You know, talking about the going off of continuing the set design and the quirkiness, I like that train that it seems like Zero has to take up and down to get the paper or, mm-hmm. or to get at least to the hotel mm-hmm. where it's, it almost looks like the cart is set up like steps. Yeah. It's just that little, everything's just so well. And actually what's really cool is the very opening shot where we see the guys going into the elevator and going down. Mm-hmm. All of that was miniature and matte oh. painting. So there there's a chase scene later on in this film, which we'll get to later this week, and it's all miniatures. No CGI is used in this movie. There's a few green screen things, mm-hmm. but nothing is computer generated in terms of like action or characters or set pieces. Fascinating. So everything's practical in this film, which I just love. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, shall we move on to tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, so, we, so we're gonna do this kind of weekly, this daily uh, format here. Yeah, let's, um, let's end today. Yeah, so thank you very much for listening to the, uh, I guess, first episode of Double A Cinema Cast. Yeah, um, it's kind of the reboot. The reboot, yeah, season two. We'll just <laughs> we'll call this season two. Um, farewell, Double A Popcast. 
uh, a good, I think we had 24 episodes with Double A Popcast. This will be episode one, season two of Double A Cinemacast. We'll see you tomorrow. Noise. Nice.